You're listening to the Pursue God Family Podcast, the official channel for marriage and parenting topics at PursueGod.org. Join Tracy and Brian Dwyer every week as they talk about living biblically in an increasingly secular world. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org slash family. Well, hey, couples, it's Brian and Tracy again, joined in the studio by authors Josh and Katie Walters. We're talking about the book, New Marriage, Same Couple. We'll put a link to the book below. Guys, last week we talked about lesson one in this four-week series. We talked about the importance of starting with me. When you have an infidelity, when you have something in your marriage, not even just an infidelity, but but you want to really have a better marriage, it really starts with you. You got to look in the mirror first. We talked about that last week. Today, we're moving on to the to the second part of your four-part acronym, the STAY acronym, and we're talking about taking quitting off the table. Josh, you you said in the teaser for this episode something about leaving, the difference between leaving mentally and leaving physically. Yeah, and I would say, especially when there's been a betrayal, but really in any area of imagination or fantasy, it's like, man, our thought life can can take us all kinds of places and our emotions and ultimately our lives Mm -hmm. follow. And so this principle, take quitting off the table, is really in a lot of ways about taking your thoughts captive, about saying, you know what, I'm not going to imagine a life with someone else. I'm not going to envision a life with someone else. I'm not going to daydream. I'm going to try to wake myself up if I night dream. <laughs> you know, but like, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not going to envision a future without you. And so taking quitting off the table is, is all about closing the back door and settling into a new story that God's going to write from wherever you are. And it wasn't just you, Josh, that had to do that. You know, here you get this news from Katie about this infidelity. So I'm sure you, I'm sure that was a thought for you, but Katie, it was for you as well, wasn't it? Yeah. And I I really feel like I should start by saying like, hello, my name is Katie and I'm a quitter. (laughs) (laughs) I, I have a tendency to quit. I don't know if there's another listener out there that may feel the same way, but this endurance, you know, when we wrote this book, we said there's just a frac- fracture of this quality called endurance in our culture, faithfulness. You yeah. know, um, when we first got married, somebody asked us, like, how do you want your marriage to be described? And Josh said, I just want us to be known as people that were faithful. We were like 20 years old. And I was like, faithful? <laughs> That's the boringest thing I've ever heard. I'm like, I want us to be like adventurous. You know, I had all these ideas, but the truth is what I learned about myself is that I really did not have an endurance muscle. I had not built that strength, that character strength into my life. And if I'm going to be honest, I still find that this is one of my weaknesses. It's still a deficit for me is that I have this tendency to want to quit, to want to say, you know, I'm done. I can't take this anymore. And What I like to tell women, because they understand this analogy, is that if you've birthed a child, they say that during this point of transition, right before you're about to birth something new, oftentimes the nurse says that the the indicator that this woman is in transition is she says the words like, I'm done. I can't go on anymore. I can't do it. Well, the truth is she's definitely going to do it. You know, that baby (laughs) is coming. And she's a right there on the point of breakthrough, mm-hmm. you know? And so for us, we want couples to understand that the most important mm-hmm. element to this whole concept, these principles of stay is the actual T of staying is that you have to take quitting off the table because typically things get really hard right when you're on the edge of breakthrough. And that's the hope we have, you know, in Christ. And I hadn't thought about it 
this way until now, but really, especially for any younger listeners, like every other facet of your life, um, you don't really have to flex that endurance muscle. My mom was a secretary for the same doctor for like 28 years, right? (laughs) And today, man, I just see people, you move from city to city, place to place, advancing in your career, friend groups transition, but the nature of the covenant of marriage is meant to resemble our covenant relationship with God for better or for worse, right? That there's nothing you could do that would separate me from your love. And so when all of culture around you doesn't reinforce the building of that endurance muscle, just go on to the next thing, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, we really don't have any other example other than the love of God for us of faithfulness and endurance Mm -hmm. with a person. Yeah. We, we've, we're now flipping house number 16 in our marriage, which is crazy. We've been married 22 years, but one of the reasons why is because people don't want to do a renovation. Mm-hmm. They want to buy something already finished. Mm-hmm. They don't have that endurance to be able to see it through to the end. And that's thanks to Josh's vision, his handiwork, you know, all of that. But it's really afforded us the most incredible opportunity because we've been able to capitalize on that and stay the course and see God do this miracle, you know, in our where we live and um and our finances even in that way. And so I would just say for couples to know that there is, you know, there is going to be an enemy against you who wants you to shortcut all that God has for you. He wants you to feel like you can't keep going, that breakthrough is not going to be yours, that your best days are not ahead. And so what I learned through our process was one night I was out for a run and it was one of the darkest kind of nights of the soul for me because I had stayed, I had been still in the house with Josh, but I was also grieving a lot. I was grieving, you know, this person that I was known for that now I wasn't known as anymore. I was grieving what I thought was the loss of love or my desires or my flesh. And, um, and so I would fall asleep a lot. If Josh and I were driving in the car, I would sleep. If I would go home early and sleep, you know, looking back on it, I know now that that was part of grieving was I was just sleeping a lot. It is still very much a spiritual I still do fall asleep a lot in the car, let me be honest. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, I'm not grieving. But at this point, it was definitely some of that was happening. But I went on this run and I had worship music on and I just told the Lord like, hey, I I don't think my heart is here. I still think my heart is far away from this man and this amazing family that you've given me, but you can have my feet. So God, I will give you my feet. I will not go anywhere. I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to trust you. And immediately, I really felt like the Lord said like, "Hey, you're not you're not taking quitting off the table. You mm-hmm. you're still going places in your mind. You're still thinking that I'm not going to do a miracle for you. You're mm-hmm. still not trusting me." And if you will really give me your feet, if you'll really commit to staying where you are, not letting your mind wonder, not letting your doubts wonder, then you're going to watch me do what is impossible, you know, impossible for you. And so that's where this first concept came for me was realizing that, that um, he could help me endure. You know, he could create in me to be a person like he was that endured under such hard times when he didn't feel it, you know, he could stay the course of obedience. I do think that's such an interesting concept because, I mean, we talk about this in some of our resources that you frame it more like in lust or just the way entertainment and our culture presents love and relationships. And it's, you know, it's usually the rom-com is, you know, you're in love with this person and then this old love or this other person comes in and you're fighting then for 
leaving that relationship to go to the other one. And it's just always about what's in it for me. What I want in the moment is, is what I want. I mean, the whole, you know, my truth is my truth. This whole thing that we just convinced ourselves of that's a lie that this concept of faithfulness and endurance really, I, I do hope and pray that couples are thinking about those words and recognizing we've been sold a bill of goods that are a lie, that there's more benefit and richness to a marital love the way the Bible wants it is walking in life with one person yeah. through it all. Like mm. you guys said in the last one about these vows that we say in sickness and health through the ups and the downs of life, that's what real love is about. It's not this other stuff that we just feel like we're chasing after. Katie, I'd be curious to know what were some of the what were some of the thoughts that you had? What is it? What's an example of the mental leaving? What was that like for you? What were some of the thoughts you had to fight against to keep your feet physically in the marriage? Well, for me, because I had been long before I had the actual affair, about a year before I was having an emotional affair. So I had mm-hmm. given my mind over to these thought, this thought life already, you know, he likes me more. He would treat me better. They, you know, he's, not as hard of a worker. You know, I had Mm. already kind of done all this for so long, cultivated this imagination. Um, So I think when I had decided to stay, that imagination, I just still let it run wild. Even though I would try to not let it run wild with this other person, it would still be like, I don't know if we can ever have a marriage Mm. that I've desired. I don't know if he's the type of person that's ever going to get me you know, those kinds of things um, that may have seemed harmless or you wouldn't have even seen it on the surface, but it was actually devastating our commitment to one another. Because just like you're saying, you know, the, the culture that tells you that you can have what you want, you can take all of your flesh and move it around to multiple people. You know, I probably would have been on husband number seven at mm. this point in my life if I would have continued to do that. What the problem with it is that What the Lord wants for us is to know that this is our blueprint. This covenant is our blueprint. So the way that he's wired, the way that I'm wired, those things are going to need to change and grow towards Christ, but they're meant to sharpen one another. His propensity to faithfulness, to commitment, to endurance is going to make me stronger. You know, and the same thing about me for him, my propensity to generosity, to passion, to fun to freedom is going to make him stronger and look more like Jesus. But it's hard to believe that, you know, when you're in those moments. So wait, let me, let me see if I can get this straight. Cause I think this is probably really going to be an epiphany for some of our listeners. When, when you say, Katie, you can have my feet. You're, it's almost like an extension of what we talked about last time, confession therapy. It's like, you're being real. You're being honest that you're, you're, you're not maybe even ready to go all in and give your whole self to this marriage. You're, you're acknowledging that, you're admitting this. This is such a revolutionary, revolutionary thought because a lot of Christians, we have this in the church. I think we have this, this facade that we put on. And so we're not really being honest with ourselves. Or, we're certainly not being honest with our spouse or with our church. So this was like, an, to me, this sounds like a really honest statement that you said, I'm working through this still, but uh, but my feet are staying right here. Am I getting that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, I think people may say you're faking it till you feel it. You know, people say that, but I really don't believe it's faking. I think it is faith. 
It's walking by faith when you actually say, God, I'm committed to this plan, your plan, which is in your word, you know, that you believe in marriage and that you can actually bring about these feelings of lust, desire, romance. You know, that's what I didn't realize about our marriage. I thought I would stay the course and have kind of a friend, a pal. Instead, God is the author of all of those emotions. So he brought about all these feelings of lust and butterflies in the ways that he's my favorite person. And he still lights me up in so many ways. And we have this renewed passion, but I didn't know that then. Mm. I just chose to say, I'm going to trust you that this plan is your plan, that this covenant, these vows that we made to you, you're, that you're going to help us fight for them. Yeah, that's, that's so good because we have so many couples that come in and say, I just don't, I just don't love him anymore. And, you know, we, well, of course, in our marriage basics course, we say love is a choice. So that's just really confusing. Like what, I don't know what you mean by that. that yes, you don't, yeah. Because love is a choice. So clearly there's some definitions that are wrong, but Katie, I like that you're being honest about this because, and, and that Josh, you've, you're wired differently, that faithfulness is so, is such a big word for you. And Katie, I love what you said at the beginning, that that's a boring word for you. So many <laughs> couples can relate to that. And couples, I want you to hear this. You're like you, Katie, you just said it. Like, this is a good thing that you guys are wired differently, like stick mm-hmm. with it, stick with it because it can be better than you ever imagined. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, her commitment, and I would say, I want to hear you talk about the difference between those two of giving Jesus your feet versus giving me your feet. But I feel like um, knowing that she had told him, you can have my feet, like that physically she's not going anywhere. I didn't need things to be okay today. I didn't need her to feel differently about me today. I didn't need us to have some flirty, lustful moment because I believed God would bring that about in mm-hmm. his time. And so there's something about um, committing to stay and giving him your feet that that resolves the pressure of needing everything to be right right now, which is the truth about where we are. Like you just can't, you can't flip a switch in your heart to bring about those feelings, to feel different. But committing to stay at least says, I'm going to give God the runway to do that in us. Yeah. And it really was trusting God, you know, more than just trusting your spouse. And I would encourage so many couples, you know, starting there is to, to really ask yourself, are you trusting God at his word that he, he hates divorce, that he is for your marriage, that he designed a covenant that was meant to last, you know, that he will fight for you. And Um, And that's been a a huge marking point of my life continued. I mean, you know, we we said we've had seven kids, but the last one that we had, I was 41 years old and we had always wanted seven. But every time I had a baby, I was like, and I'm done. You know, that's it. (laughs) And um, thought we were at capacity. The last one, I really felt like God was calling me to have this child. And I did not want to. I would fight God on it. And one day he brought me to that passage about the oil and I would tell God, I don't think I have enough love or joy or peace, you know, to bring this child into the world. And I feel like he showed me that passage and said, I need you to trust me that I am the author of oil. You know, you pour it out and I I could end it tomorrow that you don't have enough joy or love or peace. But if you'll trust me, you'll watch me restore it. And oh my goodness, this child from the minute we got pregnant, you know, she's just been the joy of our life. 
he's always been so faithful, Mm -hmm. you know, to that. But I do think this act of obedience means that you've got to trust him. There is an act of faith in it where you don't feel it yet. You don't see the outcome. Um, And, and so it is a, it's an act of faith that, that we try to invite so many couples to is to give this area to Jesus to rebuild. And I think you guys, you use the word covenant a lot. I want to make sure listeners understand that, you know, this wedding ceremony, these words that we say, these vows that we're making, it's not a contract like I'm going to hold up my end so long as you hold up your end. And if one of us breaks it, then we're done, right? We can divorce and we're clean. No, you're making promises, a covenant relationship that says, I'm making this a promise that no matter what, I'm committed to you. So when you hit up on these kinds of things in your marriage, like an infidelity. That day on your wedding day, I'm sure you guys, you'd fallen in love. The differences that you had then are the differences you have now, but yet they were attractive in your dating in the courtship phase. Now all of a sudden we get married and we're like, why are you like this? Well, you knew that from the beginning, but as that married couple, you made those covenant promises And so now in life, sometimes we hit up against like, did I mean that? Do I mean that? And like you guys are saying, like with, with trust in God and what his heart is for marriage and sticking to the course and being faithful, God can do beautiful things. But Mm -hmm. our culture has tried to sell us on something very different. That's exactly right. And really, I would say a lot of this principle, and even him saying, you can have my feet, like Katie's parents had separated when she was young. There were wounds and scars there. When we when we opt to leave um, or say, I need some space or separate, uh, oftentimes it can keep us from seeing and addressing our own wounds. And so it's not like the two mm-hmm. principles are totally independent of each other because committing to stay will definitely surface things to work on and work through. That's right. And Katie, who, who were you? Gi- I mean, I just want to make sure before you move off of this, who are you giving your feet to? Who did you say that to when you said, you can have my feet? Was it Josh or was it Jesus? Help us understand. It was, that. To, it was to Jesus, yeah. which, um, you know, it was, it was to Jesus. And it was just my dialogue with him to say like, Hey, my heart isn't here in this relationship, but you can have my feet. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to stay the plan. And that's, that's when I really felt his loving challenge back to me to say like, do you mean that? Cause you are, you are leaving, you know, you're leaving in your mind, you're leaving in your doubts. You don't fully trust me. And there is a moment of faith that we really have to tell him, like, I believe, you know, I trust you, even though I can't see the outcome. And it's, this is a strange example, but if this helps any couples, you know, I, sw- I started a business called Francis and Benedict. We started as a nonprofit. And when I started it, I remember thinking like, I do not think this is going to work. Like, I feel like I'm telling people like, I'm going to take the moon and move it over here. You know, I didn't know if it would work for sure. All I knew was, I think God's called me to this. I'm going to work the plan. And I'm, stay, I'm going to stay committed to the plan, you know, and it, it's been going now for eight years, but I've talked to so many business leaders that say that. I didn't know if it would work. I just worked the plan. They had faith. You know, they had, we have faith in so many things that I'm just going to work the plan. But when it comes to our marriage, you get so lost in the woods of it and the emotion of it. And then you have an enemy that's actually trying to divide you that you don't even have faith enough to work the plan to say like, God, I'm going to give you this covenant. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to believe you for it. I'm going to pray together. We're going to invite you into it. Um, when couples get to these low points in their life, they're like, well, it must just not work. 
You know, it must not be worth it. You don't understand our story. You don't understand where we're at. And so that's what take quitting off the table to is really inviting people to have the faith. And I would say too, for me in that season, like had she said, Josh, my heart's not here, but I'm going to give you my feet. I think it would have kept the pressure on me uh, Mm -hmm. because our our home and even family dynamic just felt very fragile. Mm -hmm. Like she would come home from the end of a work day and I could see in her face almost that she didn't really want to be there beyond loving and hugging on the kids. But there wasn't a lot of emotional availability for me, you know, but something about knowing that she had committed to Jesus was another one of the things that took pressure off me because I'm going to disappoint her again. Yeah. I'm going to say something that wasn't sensitive. I'm going to do something today that frustrates her. And if the pressure is on me or on us to fix this thing, man, it's going to be really hard to, uh, to just move forward each day. But her committing to Jesus gave me the the pass of like, all right, she let me off the hook a bit. And that knowing mm-hmm. I'm not going to be a perfect guy now, even though we're trying to build for a new season. So Josh, for you then, you know, we say to a lot of couples in a situation, if we were counseling you through this all those years ago, I probably would have tripped up and said something like, how do we get back to where you were? Why don't you talk mm-hmm. about that? Because I think it's helpful for people to know that that's not you guys. What you have now is not back to what you had at the very beginning. Talk about that for a second. That's good. That's right. Yeah, I would say um, oftentimes in in crisis or just um, when you're in a stagnant place in marriage, our only point of reference is what we've experienced. Mm-hmm. And so the fight for us today can be to get back to a place where we used to be. But the reality of any crossroads, whether um, you're listening to this right now and and just wanting to go to a new place in your marriage, maybe you've been married for a decade or two decades, and you're just thinking like, man, I want to find the the companion, the partner, the flirty fun, or I want us to go to a new place spiritually. Like any crossroads, when you haven't been there before, the fight can be, how do we get back to a time where we we had something similar, right? Mm-hmm. But in this in this situation where it felt like we were just standing on rubble, the the invitation uh, for Katie and, and for me was, I remember the night she came to me with those journals we referenced in the last episode where she had called me all these pet names and brought these journals out just to say like, hey, I don't feel this way about you anymore. And for mm-hmm. her, that meant like, I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to get back there. Mm-hmm. where I would say those kind of things of you and uh, really just think it was a God moment to invite her to a new place. Like, hey, what I'm mm-hmm. inviting you to isn't isn't to get back to any semblance of what we had before, but for us to go to a newer, deeper place. Like when we stood at the altar in college and exchanged those vows, it was everything that we knew about each other that got us to that point. But what we were committing to in that moment was everything we didn't know about each other. And I would say in in this moment, it's the exact same principle. I'm Mm -hmm. believing that God wants to take us to a new place. He didn't come and die that we might experience a mediocre, mundane life, right? But that we would have Mm -hmm. life and have it more abundantly. So if it's not what you're experiencing right now, whatever the circumstances may be, it's really an invitation from God for you to say, okay, God, I'm believing this. This isn't what you have for us. You have something better for us, not something better for me, right? To explore elsewhere, but 
something better for us. And you don't have to know how to get there, right? You don't have to know uh, what the journey is going to be because faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you don't see. So believing he's got good for us and the, the invitation there was to go go to a new place. And I mm-hmm. think that language just gave us, gave us it, it, it piqued interest of like, man, what might God want to do? Well, and I just think that isn't that a more amazing love too? like to, to walk in life, to go through the ups and downs of life and the loyalty and the commitment to one another to say, you know, I'm not going to always be perfect, but we're going to figure this thing out together. That that's really, I think that's the love everybody wants, but everybody doesn't put the work in necessarily to get to that place. So like you guys are saying that, that like we talked about in the last episode, the ability to be humble and teachable and just be able to respond to your spouse when they say, ah, oh, man, when you said that to me, that just like wounded my heart. Or this is a missed expectation that I, we keep hitting up against. And if you can just be teachable and work together and just keep the marriage and learning how to love each other better, that you're always building towards something that's you're growing, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're moving to a different destination always Rather yeah. than like you guys are saying, when, when you hit up against the hurt and the wounding of something that you're not like, well, I don't, we can't ever get back to that place. Well, no, but you can get to a better place because you're going to grow and learn and be different and change because of the hardship that you've gone through. If you have the mindset of faithfulness and commitment and teachability and humility. Yeah, that's right. And hope, you know, this is a real silly practical example, but for maybe people that haven't been to a place of like infidelity or, you know, again, they just want to go to a new place. They want to grow in their marriage. We took a vacation, our first big family vacation about four years ago on sabbatical right before my daughter graduated. We had all seven kids and we had gone to Hawaii. It was magical. We had saved for two years and we were there and about a weekend, I started trying to rehearse how we could get back there mm-hmm. to the same exact spot. I was staying up at night thinking about it. I knew it would take us another five years to save for it, but I kept trying to think, okay, in five years, if we save this much and we can do this again, I so loved that moment. I was trying to figure out how to recreate it. Mm-hmm. Well, one night in the night, I felt like the Lord said to me, you need to stop doing that because everything will change in five years. They could be married. They may have boyfriend and girlfriends. They're going to have activities. It's not going to be like this. Mm -hmm. No matter what, don't spend your time and energy doing this because it's not going to be like this. What you need to do is cherish here and have hope and belief that I will, your best days are still ahead. You know, you don't have to live in this place of longing, of regret. And I think just for any couple out there that is wanting to go to a new place, but you have this longing for what was, you know, we used to get along so good. We were fun. We were free. We were flirty, or we had this moment in our marriage that just felt like it was the best version of us. You know, you can spend time and energy and effort trying to get your marriage back there, try to recreate that again. But the truth is everything has changed. You know, I'm not the 20-year-old he married anymore. I'm 42, and I've been through different things in life, and he's different. And at some point, hopefully, we're going to be 62 and 82. Things are going to be different, but we can have hope that our best days are ahead, and you start to build towards that future together. You know, and that's, that's the invitation he gave me that I truly needed. Katie, I'm asking you to go to a deeper place of love. It's going to be deeper. Katie, you sound so boring now. (laughs) 
you know, from where you started, <laughs> right? Like I now, granted, we don't know you that well, but you, it, Josh, is this true? Like, is this is this like a transformation of your wife? She's I mean, she's dirty to me. All that faithfulness language. I, right. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, I think another thing that's kind of interesting to our season, but in terms of principle, true for. For couples, I've heard it says that change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing. Mm. And um, man, I just think whether you're in a point of crisis or if you're, uh, you know, for oftentimes, whether it was like a health issue or weight loss or it's like we desire help, we desire or envision a new day or a better day, but it can be really difficult to uh, to get going while we're you're in crisis in marriage. It's like, man, that's that's plenty of motivation. Uh, but it might just be that you're wanting to get to a new place. Don't wait until you're in a place of pain to decide, mm-hmm. like, we yeah. want to go to a new place. We believe. And that's where I think all of these principles are really all about God, like believing that he has good in store for you is so important for you to actually take hold of it, that mm-hmm. his plans for you are great, that abundant life is the invitation. If you can believe it to be true of him, then you can go after it. Mm. Okay, Katie, so let's get practical then. We're we're talking about the second step, which is to take quitting off the table. So for you, there you are. You're you're in this place where you're admitting that you're you're not sure you're but you've committed to giving Jesus your feet. What were some of the things you had to do for the couples that are out there hearing this, the spouse who's saying, I kind of totally can relate to Katie right now. What are some practical takeaways in terms of taking quitting off the table? Okay, so this chapter in the book is called Next Right Action. And in the book, I was telling Tracy this earlier, but it has so many tools like diagrams and things like that. So it's very practical. So I'm just going to try to quickly hit on them. But this is the part of the book that, you know, is less story driven. It's really just the practical tools that helped us to stay because we probably had, sometimes we say a year, a year and a half of just a painful road, Mm -hmm. you know, where we were just doing these next right actions. It wasn't like we were like, ah, we're back, you know, and it's date night tonight. It was just doing the next right thing. And so some of those things were, um, you know, really reestablishing that, okay, we are going to rebuild. And what that means is we've got to set some new foundations, some new foundation of trust, some new foundations of habits within our marriage, some new actions And um, so it kind of goes into some of those things. Like there's a good amount of this, the part of the book that's on um, like habits, triggers, and rewards. So learning to actually start to rebuild in our marriage through things like the way we communicate, the way that we talk to each other, the way we wake up in the morning, um, how we connect at the end of the day, how we go to bed together at night. Um, There there are a lot of, of tools like, we, for us, we put our heads in each other's laps every single day and prayed over each other, which when we started to do that, it felt so awkward mm. and so, so strange. But it really, those specific actions and habits really helped us to start to rebuild and um, put our marriage, you know, back on the right track, back together. So the, a lot of some of the principles are um, being able to identify your needs to really start to understand what are some of the desires that you have. A lot of couples don't know what those are even um, to say, how am I feeling? What am I longing for? And this is this tool especially was helpful for Josh. If you have somebody that is more work driven, task oriented, 
they're not going slow enough to even realize like, what do I need today? You know? And the, the power of that question was that like, if you don't ask it, it's only natural for you to assume the other person's going to meet my needs. You right. know? Cause for me, my needs boiled down to, I had basketball on the list, like being able to get out and play pickup ball with some guys. One of my items was doing projects around the house on a Saturday. I wanted some time to, fix things, do paint things, you know, whatever it was, the projects without feeling guilty of not being like present as dad because mm-hmm. I'm working on the house and then sex was on the list. But mm-hmm. for me, identifying this is what I need and then see her sacrifice, like in that season, she may not be ex- expressing a lot of interest or the like lustful friend flirty stuff in me yet. But for her to say, hey, we're not putting basketball on the chopping block it's Saturday morning go play ball with the guys i was i was seeing her sacrifice to meet my needs mm. and man over the course of time that was just like man she is she's doing that just for me mm. so was, and those really you know those needs are so unique in a marriage you know at one of my needs was a date night to have fun to be free to be free of the kids to be spoiled a little bit that wasn't a need for him i could not believe that i was mm-hmm. like you don't need to have a date night with me right what? <laughs> Right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? You know, but realizing that that's okay as long as he can protect and fight for that moment for me, you know, and so really helping couples understand that you're going to have these individual unique needs that you're going to want to help protect, you know, for each other. Well, and one thing I will say too is a practical thing for some spouses out there that maybe just struggle with self awareness or aren't great about f- feelings to words. Like pay attention when something happens that your feelings get hurt. And that might be an indication. Like you're saying, Katie, if, if you're a person that really wants like your spouse to take you out for dinner and they never do. So, and maybe you're not even really realizing that's an expectation you have, but you're hurt every time you're like home making a meal or something and not going out on a date ever. Like say that, say, you know what? I feel, I'm feeling angry about this right now. Or, or maybe it's a friend that's doing something fun with their spouse. And you're like, I want that, but you've never said it. Like pay attention when you get your feelings hurt or you're disappointed. That might be something that you could turn into yeah. a request. Like, you know what? I think I might need this from you. Cause I was upset that you didn't do it. That's yeah. good. Katie that's will exactly say a lot right. of times to me, she'll see that I'm, it's obvious that I'm thinking about something or feeling a certain way. And she'll say, Hey, use words. Yep. Use words. <laughs> it's like I'll have to stumble around to yep. even put words to whatever is going on in my head or heart, but just the invitation and reminder to know we can't read each other's minds. Absolutely. And so it's okay yeah. to put words to it. And there were other practical tools too with the next rec- actions for us because, like I said, we were in this deep place of devastation and pain. Um, we had to compartmentalize that pain. So the tool for us to do that was, and we'll talk more about this in the next um, segment about allow others to be a part of your journey. But because we were meeting with a couple every single week, for some of the listeners, it might be you're going to a small group or you're going to a spot where you can actually talk about this pain. We had to compartmentalize that so that it didn't bleed into every single day, every single night, because we were trying to learn how to be friends. Mm -hmm. Again, we're trying to learn how to rebuild fun and intimacy and joy, you know, in our life. And so if we would have let that pain bleed into every single night, it would have really limited our growth, but we also couldn't sweep it under the rug. So for us, we had to know, you know, Thursday night is our night where we're going to talk about these specific hurts that we had. And we were meeting with another couple. So practically that one just looked like 
if she said something, did something, didn't do something on Monday, I wasn't going to touch it until Thursday mm. when we were sitting in our small group only because I knew it's probably not going to go well. And I would rather work on creating a friendship and a peaceful home than speaking my mind, you know, so I think that's a really good point, you guys that you had space for all of it. Because just like when you're in a dating relationship, it's not like you, for most people are going to marry this person on the first date, it takes time to build that intimacy and trust and love for one another. So then when you're kind of in a rebuilding time in your marriage, it's going to take some time. And if you're only fixated on the things that you're doing wrong, or the wound, then yeah, it's really hard to create any other other level of intimacy. So that that's really good advice too to kind of pick certain yeah. times that you know you talk about certain things and then you give room for the other parts of the relationship to develop. Yeah. yeah. And then one thing that, you know, this is a, a very complicated subject, but to talk about physical intimacy, you know, we talk about that in this chapter because we tell couples that sexual intimacy with each other is the most complicated but important thing in a marriage. It's the thing that differentiates you from a roommate situation. It's the thing that God established for your covenant really to push back the enemy, to push back darkness. But what happens is because it is so complicated is, you know, we stop talking about it. We stop talking about it as a need. And especially for most couples that are in a place of pain, like we were, it's off the table. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not even something that you're willing to do. And so what we found is for us, it was really important for us to have physical intimacy. So we talk about what are the next right actions for that? We have this 30 day kind of guide towards intimacy that starts with like holding hands again, praying over each other, putting your head in each other's lap, you know, we tell couples oftentimes, Josh would say, we'd be meeting with a couple for counseling and he'd be like, so you need to have sex. And we'd leave and I'd be like, "You do you think they're going to do that? And he was like, yes. And I'm like, they're not doing that. <laughs> they're definitely not doing that. <laughs> you know, just because you told them, because yeah. it is so complicated. Mm -hmm. But um, it is a part of the next right action to start to make sure there's intimacy in that yeah. relationship. Because even navigating the, man, we've met with so many couples where, where it's a natural topic of conversation now. Um, there's so many couples that don't even know how to approach the conversation because maybe there's been some pain there or there's been a lot of time that's gone by. And so mm -hmm. that tool is all about in that season where any topic was sensitive, man, we scheduled, all right, Saturdays and Wednesdays. Like we would assign the day that I would know I don't have to I don't have to try to ask. I don't have to approach the conversation. Mm -hmm. I can be extra intentional with writing cards and having her some cheese and wine and <laughs> trying to serve mm -hmm. and spoil her. But I can I can know that it's coming at the end of the day. So mm -hmm. just some tools to help tee up the conversation when it's been a, a point of pain or difficult to talk about. That sounds like another bonus topic. Honestly, yeah, like, it does. I, I would love I think it's so helpful because you're right. It, it is. And, and again, you've got it in the book and the resources in the book. We'll put a link down below for that. But I think a lot of couples probably are thinking, I don't know how to get back to that, especially yes. after yes. You know, in, 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 in infidelity. Well, and truthfully, for a lot of couples, that's one of the issues that leads to infidelity in the first place is that part of your relationship hasn't been healthy or expectations haven't been met, whether they're not stated or the other spouse just isn't as interested or whatever. So you yeah. kind of avoid it or ignore it, and then it leads to other things. So yeah, right. to me, that's like phys the physical intimacy, the way God designed it is to me just the perfect example of what selfless sacrificial love is all about. That yeah. you give of yourself even sometimes when that's not even what you necessarily need 
But That's right. the yeah. relationship does. Not even on your needs list. You know, if it's one of Josh's top three needs and it's not even on my top three needs, but if one of my needs is an emotional connection <laughs> and he denied that for me, you know, he was exactly. like, well, we're not going to talk again for another year. And I, I would say dying. <laughs> I would say I, I, I started with my order that was not basketball was not first. I do want to yeah. say that. <laughs> sex was absolutely at the top of the list. <laughs> so, but I, I think for couples where it's been some time, mm-hmm. like sex is a a picture of intimacy in marriage, but it is not the pinnacle. Right. And and it took me a long time to understand that and really believe that mm-hmm. because I couldn't imagine anything greater until I near lost her. And mm-hmm. and now I see like, man, it is an expression of intimacy in marriage, but there is so much healthy, good work you can do long right. before you get in bed. And so if it's been, if it's been a while, um, then I would, I would let that be an indicator for you that, man, we've got some work to do and, and that's no shame, shame off you, you know, but it's an invitation to say, let's get back at it. Let's get to work. And, uh, she got to do it. Well, the book is called New Marriage, Same Couple. Um, we'll put a link to, to it below, also to the workbook below. This These chapters are going to be so important for couples to dive into. We also have the resources online at PursueGod.org. Go to our family page. This was lesson two of four. So guys, uh, next week we'll come back and we'll talk about the third lesson, which is about allowing others to be part of your story. Katie, give us just like a 60 second intro to that lesson. Well, we had to learn how to fight in front of people. So (laughs) it was the worst thing you could ever do for a people pleaser like myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But it has been the most incredible catalyst for healing in our marriage and also for growth. You know, we still do this to this day. Mm -hmm. So we really believe in this, allowing others to be part of your journey. I know you all do um, on this podcast, and that can take a lot of different shapes and forms. So we'll talk about that next time. That'll be next time. So join us, Josh, Katie. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Hey, listeners, Pastor Brian here. If you're enjoying our podcast, would you consider becoming a donor? Our goal is that these podcasts would reach the largest audience possible. So obviously it takes money to create good podcasts, but more than that, we wanna make sure to market this to the whole nation and even to the world. That's where your donation comes in. So would you consider becoming a monthly donor? And to do it, just visit PursueGod.org forward slash donate.